Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Podcast. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Fertility Solutions Podcast. We're delighted you have joined us to learn more about various aspects of fertility from highly respected and experienced experts within the field. My name is Steve Levitt and I'm the Director of Clinical Application at Cooper Surgical Fertility Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Ariana D'Angelo. Thank you, Steve, um, and thanks everyone for listening. Uh, my name is Ariana D'Angelo. I'm a clinical lead in reproductive medicine at the Wales Fertility Institute, uh, working in Wales, UK. And I'm also honorary senior lecturer in obstetrics and gynecology in Cardiff University, um, UK. Excellent. I'm delighted to talk to you today about one of the uh, important topics within the uh, ART community, and that's egg collection. Um, As a fundamental uh, building block of our um, success within uh, IVF, we need to have uh, a good quality, mature oocytes to allow um, the uh, development of uh, good quality uh, embryos that will go on and form uh, healthy pregnancies and, and healthy babies. So thank you both, and uh, we'll start uh, on a question that um, comes up a, a lot of times, and that's uh, even before egg collection, and that is, that is there anything that the patients can do um, to help prepare for egg collection in terms of diet, exercise, uh, lifestyle, etc.? Thanks, Steve. Yeah, that's a very common question, actually. It's lots of my patients asking that to uh, to, to me and to our nursing team. Um, it, it is very important that you do things right and you are prepared for your collection. Um, so I would say that uh, because of the type of stimulation drugs that we use uh, in preparation to the egg collection, it is recommended to follow a high-protein diet. The high-protein diet helps in preventing or reducing the risk of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which could be one of the potential side effects of the um, uh, stimulation drugs that we use in IVF or ICSI treatment. The high protein diet implies you eating lots of eggs, milk, cheese, avoid salt, and also making sure that you drink between two and three liters of fluid a day. Anything that you fancy, but we would obviously recommend um, avoid caffeine and alcohol. And this applies to both, actually, the partners. It's not just a recommendation before a collection as part of the lifestyle choices and, and changes when you commit to start your family project. It would be good to avoid, you know, alcohol intake or reduce it. And also smoking uh, should be really uh, stopped. Um, so that's in terms of diet. Now, exercise is another big thing. Um, it's um, obviously once you, the patients, so, you know, you are uh, very close to the egg collection, the ovaries become swollen and, and they might be uncomfortable. So I always recommend my patients to um, avoid strenuous exercise in particular, um, things like jumping or running or, you know, 
take part to marathons or horse riding competitions um, because um, uh, being the ovaries enlarged that could lead to ovarian rupture or ovarian torsion and this could be obviously you know life-threatening conditions uh, in addition that could also lead to intra-ovarian bleeding and um, in more than one occasion I actually found some uh, blood-stained um, follicular fluid while aspirating the follicles on the collection and after asking the patients she actually confirmed that she had run a marathon the day before or she had done a Zumba class something like that so again very important to take it easy um, the echo lection is a small surgical procedure so we should really make our patients prepared for that um, and then finally one the most one of the most commonly asked question is actually what about sex can we have sex before now again I would say um, ideally no because the ovaries are large and also because there is a, a risk of uh, premature ovulation and if you you know if the patient has unprotected sex obviously there is a risk of uh, getting pregnant um, and you know with a high grade um, number of uh, pregnancies so that could be quite dangerous um, so uh, either no sex or, or, or protected sex so that would be uh, my advice Excellent, and uh, again, I uh, we touched on this in a in a podcast previously on uh, on uh, sperm function, and many of these things, of course, apply to uh, the male partner as well to try to uh, improve um, the uh, the sperm uh, quality prior to any treatment as well. Um, obviously, our patients are ready; they've uh, they've got themselves into the best shape that they can. So now they need to start um, their stimulation uh, regime. So um, what are the options that they have and, and what is the optimal um, response that you want to get uh, in terms of uh, numbers of follicles, sizes of follicles, that sort of thing? And then perhaps the, the last part of that question would be um, the, the conditions that you need to achieve to um, uh, make it the right time to initiate the trigger um, for um, timing of egg collection. Yes, uh, thanks for the question. Um, yeah, so th th there are different drugs in the market and obviously there are different protocols that uh, have developed over the years. Um, and the, the, the literature is, is plenty, really. Uh, likely, um, you know, all the scientists, all of us have been doing lots of studies, randomized tri trials um, to, to prove actually that, uh, that uh, none of this protocol is better than the other. So we don't really have have any evidence that one protocol works better than the other protocol or one drug works better than another drug. Um, and that's very important. However, I'm still of the opinion that um, um, a woman is a, is a human being, is an individual, and we are all different. Um, and we, the, the response to the stimulation uh, differs also within the same woman, um, within different uh, treatment cycles. So it's very important to kind of tailor the, and design the, simul the stimulation protocol and the drugs used according to the, to the, to the individual, to the woman that we treat. So um, uh, one recognized um, uh, pa uh, pattern or pathway to follow is to actually 
assess um, the ovarian reserve of the of the of the patient um, by using the age, the uh, AMH, the antral follicle count, the previous response to stimulation, and then decide uh, which protocol would be best um, to apply uh, for uh, getting the best response from this patient. Now, um, in in my practice, what I always suggest is obviously anyone who is at high risk of hyperstimulation syndrome, um, we would go with the safest protocol, uh, which is the antagonist protocol. With the antagonist protocol, the idea is that you can always uh, reduce the risk of hyperstimulation almost to zero by uh, triggering the ovulation using the um, agonist trigger. Um, and, and most of the time that will be followed by the elective freeze-all of the embryos. Um, this really protocol should apply to uh, women with polycystic ovarian syndrome simply because they are have very high risk of over-responding and um, overreacting. Um, and, and, and we also uh, apply this protocol to fertility preservation. Again, for the same reason, you want to be safe and you want to avoid the patients to be ill, and in particular if she's already sick, for example, if she's having cancer treatment. Um, but uh, overall, the general uh, protocol, the most used protocol, I think is the um, long uh, protocol, which implies the two weeks of down regulation. And that gives uh, a little bit of flexibility. Um, also, let's, you know, let's be honest, also for us clinicians to um, be able to plan the treatments, perhaps not over the weekend. Um, and with a long protocol, the patient is downregulated. She's not at risk of ovulation. And we have that kind of uh, flexibility of a couple of days that we can play with, uh, with the follicles according to their growth without affecting the, the pregnancy chances or the, or the egg quality. Um, so still, the long protocol, I can see uh, to be uh, quite um, you know, a big player in IVF, in the IVF field. Um, in terms of... Uh, um, Stimulation drugs, as I said, there are no differences really between the drugs. We know that uh, uh, there are mainly two categories of drugs. The one that are primarily and purely based on follicular stimulating hormones and the one that uh, have some LH activity or HSG activity. Um, again, some, some patients in my experience might need that extra LH activity, HSG activity in particular towards the end of the stimulation when sometimes they need a boost to, to get those eggs um, mature and competent to be fertilized. So going to your um, second part of the question, uh, which is the timing for trigger, um, the, the, the timing which is generally recognized also in the literature is that the trigger should um, be given between 34 and 36 hours um, before the, 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 the actual egg collection. So uh, it's very important to make this message clear with the patient and always to check that the patient has the right trigger um, and knows how to inject because the last things you want is to be called um, at one o'clock in the morning or you don't know in the middle of the night um, to help the patient to inject. Um, it's again, it's very important that time is right and on the day of the collection one of the uh, recommendations that we did put in the in the good clinical practice paper is actually that the, the timing and the type of trigger 
must be checked before actually starting the uh, the ovocytes pickup and must be recorded in the patient's notes. Why? Because if the timing of the trigger is wrong, then there is no way you're gonna find any any eggs or uh, the patient has uh, ovulated if she injected um, you know too 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 early or the, the the eggs haven't had time to complete their maturation and you, you're not going to find it um, during the egg collection. Um, if also the the trigger was wrong and for example in terms in, 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 instead of injecting the ovitrial the patient injected I don't know the cetrotide or something else then again you're not going to find any eggs so very important extremely important to explain first of all how to inject and to make sure that they inject at the right time and the right trigger. Excellent and what criteria do you use for um, initiating the trigger in terms of follicular development? Yeah, so on the last scan, uh, which ultrasound scan that we will do, uh, you know, the 36 hours before uh, the egg collection, we expect at least uh, um, three dominant follicles, so three follicles over the the 18 millimeters uh, measurement. And just one question I know um, uh, crops up a little bit. What um, What is the recommendation if the if the follicular development is not um, coordinated. So, for example, if you get some larger follicles and a, and a large cohort of smaller follicles, do you still go with the leading follicles or do you work with the cohort? Is, is there a protocol that you use for determining which is, uh, which is better? Yeah, these scenarios, unfortunately, are uh, relatively common, actually, in IVF. Um, and I, I would say that this very much depends on which protocol the patient is using. If the patient is uh, um, is down-regulated, so if we have been using a long protocol, then um, I, I, I would probably wait a little longer before going ahead with the echo collection, so that I will allow all the other follicles to catch up. Um, because in my experience with a long protocol, uh, the patient doesn't ovulate, so there is not a huge effect on the endometrium. Um, and you, you will still able to find eggs, perhaps a couple of them will be post-mature, and perhaps it would be good practice also in these cases to check the progesterone level, just to make sure that it's not too high um, on the day of the egg collection. But uh, but I would probably uh, yeah aim for the course of follicle which is following. If the patient is um, is um, under the antagonist protocol, then as a diff- completely different story because uh, we know we all know that unfortunately there is a moment beyond that uh, beyond which you know we cannot stop the ovulation so if the patient has got uh, big follicles then unfortunately um, we will have to go with those big follicles and then perhaps sacrifice the small ones um, sometimes by boosting the the, the, the stimulation on the last day then you have good surprises on the day that's uh, actually the the one that looked um small um, 36 hours before actually have time to grow and you might find mature eggs um, this is perhaps also something where the lab can give some input um, but uh, I would say that uh, it is a difficult choice but um, the long protocol gives that extra flexibility in terms of pushing the stimulation uh, a little bit farther if needed. Thank you, Ariana, and thank you to everyone who's tuned in to this episode of Fertility Insights. 
Please like, share and comment and make sure to tune in to our next episode. Please note that the speaker received a fee from Cooper Surgical for participating in this podcast.